hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thanks, Debbie. Tim's going to come and speak to us, so I'll just pray for him and then... Uh, okay. Yeah. Father, we just... Um, we love to hear from you. Uh, and so, Father, I just ask that your spirit would just anoint him now. Father, I pray that we would hear your voice. I pray that we would recognize your voice in Tim's words for us tonight. Thank you that you care passionately about each one of us. Thank you that you long for intimacy with each one of us. And so we want to hear from you this evening. In Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Thanks, Mark. First thing I'm going to do is take these things off. I feel like I should put them on my head or something, but I'll take those off. Great. Um, I just love baptisms. I love kind of whether it's reaffirmation or kind of baptism, those who haven't come to faith. We've got a really exciting baptism coming up um, in December, December the 6th. Ching, who some of you may remember, came from China, came here as a student uh, doing an MA, uh, studying here, and uh, just really kind of found God and fell in love with kind of contemporary worship. She'd never kind of experienced anything like it and kind of found intimacy with God uh, in a wonderful, wonderful way. Mark just prayed about that. Uh, she's coming back for her graduation in December with her mum from China, uh, and she's getting baptised, uh, which is really exciting. So she's getting baptised in the pool here, her mum's coming to watch, uh, and her dad was over uh, at the end of her course, had ne- never seen church, done church. And if you've never seen church in your first church, you come to me, this is St. Matt's. That's kind of seen church in a whole new way, really. But he was, he was jigging about in the worship and just something touching him. He was just beaming. So be praying for Chang, uh, Ching as she's back in uh, Shanghai at the moment, working, looking for work there. She's going to be coming back and it's going to be exciting. If you're thinking about baptism, whether that's um, you've never been baptized at all or maybe you were baptized as a child, but you feel actually uh, there are some circumstances where for those who were baptized as a child, they feel actually I want to make a decision for myself. I want to mark it in some way. In the Anglican Church, we have something called confirmation. We can talk about that as well. Or if you feel actually you want to mark it publicly on a Sunday night here uh, in the tank, then do come and talk to us. Baptism is a really uh, powerful uh, thing, powerful symbol for those who are involved, but also for those who witness it. Um, uh, some time ago, uh, a, a junk chap was strolling um, along a canal, um, a, along a river not, not far from here. And there was a, a really moving baptismal service uh, in the river that was actually happening on Sunday afternoon. And he proceeded to walk down to the water's edge and stood next to the preacher, the person who was leading it, the minister. And the minister turned to this kind of old, slightly drunk chap, and said, Mr, are you ready to find Jesus? And the guy was obviously quite moved, and he said, yes, preacher, yes, I am. So the minister kind of took this guy down into the water, dunked him under the water, and pulled him right up, and said, have you found Jesus? 
And the guy sort of shakes his head and says, no, 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 I haven't. So the preacher kind of dips him under the water again a second time, brings him back up and looks him in the eyes and says, this time, have you found Jesus? And the guy says, no. So determined, the minister kind of gets him in the water and holds him under for quite a while this time, brings him back up and says, have you, friend, found Jesus yet? And the old guy wipes his eyes and looks at the preacher and says, buddy, are you sure this is where he fell in? It's a terrible joke, isn't it? Jane, you saw that one coming, didn't you? I can tell you saw that. She liked it. Good. That's good when one person in the congregation likes it. Baptism, what, what is it all about? If you were to witness that happening at the side of a river, I have been in places where that's been happening. I myself, I was baptised in a swimming pool when I was 17. Uh, one of my brothers, he was baptised in a sea. Some of you here will have been baptised in a tank, possibly, or uh, various places. But what is it all about? It's kind of a strange thing. When I, I went through a little phase where I, I went through a phase, I went through a phase where I was a teacher. Uh, I went through a little tight period of time where I was a primary school teacher. It wasn't just a phase I was going through, it was a job. Um, and I, I'd, I kind of stepped back from church work, which I was involved in in Bristol, and was working a lot with children and young people. And I felt God was calling me to uh, get trained as a professional uh, children's worker. And so uh, I specialised in early years and taught for a couple of years in a really rough, tough part of Bristol. I absolutely loved it. It was fantastic. If you're not sure what to do, you want to make a difference uh, and have a bit of a laugh, become a primary school teacher. It's a wonderful career. Some of you here already, I know, are. It's also tough work for those of you that are teachers here. We need to be praying for our teachers here. But in the classroom... I've shared this uh, before, but in the classroom, one of the children, they came from really, really, really rough, tough backgrounds and very, very broken families. But one of the children uh, knew that I went to church. She knew there was a church connection and, <coughs> and said to me, Mrs. Buckley, they all called me Mrs. Buckley. I have to explain every time I say that, otherwise people get worried. There weren't any men in the school. I was the only man in the school. Lots of them came from single parent families. They called me Mrs. Buckley. Okay, that's it. We'll draw a line under it. I won't say it anymore. You get bored saying to them, I, am I in a skirt? Am I a woman? No. No, Mrs. Buckley. So you just give up after six months. So this little child said, Mrs. Buckley, um, I, I um, am going to church on Sunday. Uh, and this was a bit of a surprise because this particular child was a bit of a... He was interesting. And, he, and I said, okay, oh, are you? And he said, yeah, I'm going to go and see my cousin baptised. Her cu cu cousin was a tiny baby and was going to be christened. And I said, oh, that's amazing. And he started asking about baptism, and all the children started asking about baptism. Now, this was in a reception class, teaching reception children, trying to explain about baptism to reception children, kind of the symbology of it, and where it comes from, and in the Bible, and, uh, you know, while we're supposed to be sort of drawing pictures of goldfish or something, that they want to know all about baptism. So I started talking to them about it. And as I sat there, I thought, actually, let's not just talk about it. I went and got a tank of water. We had a class bear called Herbie. And, and I kind of talked Herbie through the profession of faith. Herbie became a Christian in the classroom. It was a very beautiful moment. And, and I asked Herbie whether he wanted to turn to Christ. And yes, I turned to Christ. That was Herbie's voice. And we went through the whole thing. And then, uh, and then we put him in a tank. And on profession of Herbie's faith, I baptized him in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. It was a very, I know you're laughing, but it was a very beautiful moment in my classroom. I didn't think much more of it until the next day, um, um, a little guy called Jordan came in uh, with his action man and said, Mrs. Buckley, will you baptise my action man? Now at that point, 
what would you say? So I said, well, I need to know that um, Action Man has made a profession of faith. <laughs> you know, it's, it needs to be a serious, after serious consideration as he kind of turned to Christ. Yes, he's turned to Christ. Has he renounced his sins? Yes. Oh, yes. He's got a, quite a dark past in, in the army, but he has renounced it. So we baptised the Action Man. Over the next week, I baptised Barbies teddy bears. Parents were saying, is it okay if my daughter brings in a cabbage patch doll for you to baptise? But the climax for me was on the Friday, the last day of the week, when it was a beautiful, beautiful moment. I baptised Darth Vader, which, <laughs> lightsaber and all, it was a very beautiful moment. It was great. <laughs> I had such a good week that week. Baptism, what is it really all about? What is it? Well, children sometimes see things in really simple ways and actually there's something about a simple childlike heart that God responds to. There's a bit in the Bible where um, this Ethiopian guy comes to faith and and he's right there and he's come to faith and miracles happened and he's come to faith and he he sees this pool of water and he says, here's some water, what's to stop me getting baptised? Something within him rose up and said, I found Jesus. I want to mark it. I want to celebrate it somewhere. I want to show to the world and show to God I'm really serious. It's pretty crazy in the 21st century getting fully clothed, especially with silly shorts, into a tank of water and being soaked in front of a hundred and whatever people here. There's something very visible about that and very unusual about that. But it's really symbolic. And one of the things I said to the children in, in the class, you know, the water isn't magic. I often say, I've got a good pal who works for Wessex Water. This isn't magic water, it's Wessex Water, which is good water, he tells me. He's really excited about the water at Wessex. Uh, also the sewage, if you know Matt Wills, and he gets very excited about the sewage, but we won't go there. But it's not magic water. So what is this about? Well, I said to the children in my class, baptism is a little bit like um, a, a wedding ring. For, for, the, for Christians in the Christian faith, um, in a sense, it is, it's like a wedding ring because it's a symbol. Like the wedding ring, baptism draws a mark on the ground between the past and the future. Like it says, from this day forward, I stand with God. Um, I love weddings. I, I, as a vicar, I'm really privileged to marry people quite regularly. It amazes me that they, a couple come into church unmarried, And I say a few words, I pray over these rings, they exchange rings and I kind of bind their hands together and I pronounce them man and wife and from that moment they're legally married. It amazes me, what a privilege that is as a vicar to be able to do that. I don't take that lightly, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's really exciting, I'm going to be marrying people from this church in the next few months. But a wedding ring is a symbol, isn't it? And when they, put, they exchange rings and they put their, the rings on the fingers of each other, usually they're trying to push them on because the fingers have got a bit hot and sweaty and they're kind of pushing them on, trying to... And they say these things. A wedding ring is a symbol. So that every time you look at it, I look at it, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm married. So an endless circle that goes round. And for other people, as they look, they'll see the ring and know that I'm married. Baptism's a bit like a, it's, it's a marker. It's a visible marker that we can look back at and say, that night, where are we, the 11th of October, on the 11th of October, Sarah will be able to look back and say, on the 11th of October 2015, with this crazy vicar in horrible shorts, and my wonderful mum, I got into a tank of water in front of everyone and said, I want to follow Jesus. It's a night you'll never forget. I remember when I was 17, it's a night I will never forget. It was an amazing moment for me. A point that I can look back on and say, at times when things are difficult, 
We can look back and say, Ashley God, I remember that night. I remember when you were with me and I wanted to say I want to follow you for the rest of my life. It's a visible marker that's really helpful. Matthew 28, 18-20, many of you will know this verse. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I'm with you to the end of the age. That's a really important verse for why we as a church practice baptisms, along with lots of other denominations and streams. Baptism is really important. That verse shows that baptism, the basis for it is the authority of Jesus, the command of Jesus. He sent his disciples, his followers out and said, go and baptize people. It's a public, visible, dynamic thing to do. And I want you to obey. There's very few actual kind of commands in the Bible. But actually, baptism, I believe, is one of them. Believe and be baptized. And Jesus says to the disciples, go and baptize people. Make disciples and baptize them. Teach them and teach them to obey. It's a really exciting thing. Jesus says you're to go and make disciples. You're to baptize them and then you're to teach them to obey. If you're part of this church, we're going through a whole series of the one another's through scripture. In the New Testament, there's about 60-something one another's. Love one another, serve one another, care for one, for one another, forgive one another. And the one another that we're looking at, been looking at in the parish today is teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts. Teach and admonish. Admonish is kind of encourage and challenge and say, hey, why don't you think about this? And maybe you haven't thought about this and I'm not sure that's right. We're called to do that as church. I've made myself accountable as a leader. I I want to be challenged when there are things maybe that people see in my life, things that I say wrong, I regularly say things wrong, I want to be open to being challenged. I think that's a really healthy thing as a leader. And I have people who speak into my, my life, other peers and church leaders who I've said, you know what, I'm completely accountable to you. Anytime you see something wrong in myself, in my marriage, me as a father, me as a church leader, me as a friend, I want you to be able to challenge me. And I know they do it in love because they love me and they want the best for me. And as a church family, we want to be able to speak into each other's lives. We want to be able to teach and encourage one another. That's why we have um, uh, sometimes preaching from the front. It's not always me. It's often not me. We're trying to encourage others to teach and share. We do it in life hubs. We want to teach and encourage and challenge one another. And one of the things that we, I want to teach us, Jesus says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And of course, always with love. I want to read this quote I found from a theologian called Dr. M. R. Dehan. He says this, In the early days of the church, baptism was a declaration that the believer was um, definitely identifying himself with that group of people who were called Christians and were despised and hated. To be a Christian meant something. To identify, you, to identify yourself with those who were called Christians meant persecution, maybe even death. It meant being ostracized from your family, shunned by friends. And the one act which was the final declaration of this identification was baptism. Yeah, it really meant something. As long as a man gathered with Christians, he was tolerated. But when he submitted to baptism, he declared to all the world, I belong to this family I belong to Christ. That's what Sarah's done beautifully tonight and said beautifully tonight. And the reality was often for the early church, immediately persecution followed. 
A person might be a believer and keep it strictly a secret and thus avoid unpleasantness and suffering. But once he or she admitted to public baptism, he'd burned his bridges behind him. And there is something in that. I kind of flirted around Christianity for quite a while, but it got to a point where I knew I needed to make a decision. I knew that actually flirting with Jesus wasn't what he wanted. He wanted to be my friend. He wanted to be my saviour and he wanted me to really follow him. And actually it got to the point where I realised that he was asking me to take this step of public baptism. You may find it hard to believe, but at that point in my life I was really, <laughs> I was really shy. I didn't enjoy standing in front of people and actually the idea of sharing my faith publicly was quite a difficult thing. But I knew that I loved Jesus more than anything else. And I knew that I wanted to follow him. Baptism is a really helpful thing to say, this is the day I'm going to mark. Some people know when they became a Christian chose to follow him. For others, it's a journey. But there's something about baptism which is a day we can always look back to. The people of God in the Old Testament often used to build a pile of stones as a reminder for the amazing things that God had done. And each time they passed back, they would say, oh yeah, this is where God provided. This is where God delivered us. This is where God healed us, set us free. And baptism is a bit like a pile of stones, a reminder. So, I just want to reflect just briefly and finish with this. We're about to go into a season called Halloween. Many of you will know it, kind of been taken over in a sense. If you go to any of the kind of co-ops or that, there's, or pound shops, there's Halloween stuff everywhere. Uh, Sarah and the children's group are doing a really exciting thing about reclaiming it slightly for, for Christ and the children's work. They're going to do that in the next few weeks. Halloween's a bit of a weird season, isn't it? It's kind of celebrating death in a weird sort of way. And yet baptism, in a way, is sort of a celebration of death as well. Well, what do I mean by that? In Colossians 3.3 it says this, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. What does that mean, we're dead? If you're not a Christian or a church follower, that might sound a bit weird. What it means is, you know, our old life, all the mistakes, all the frailties, all the kind of disasters that often we've done, the things of brokenness and shame and guilt, the things that have been done to us and the things that we've done to others and done to God, they often like baggage around our shoulders. But, but it's scripture says that when we choose to follow Jesus, it's like we're dying to that old life. It's completely dead and buried. And we have a new life in Christ. Which is why there's that phrase, born again. Often we think that's an American expression. But Jesus says you need to be born again. You need to have a second opportunity, a second life. And for us as Christians, that's what we know. A new beginning. And baptism is a, is a bit of a marker of that. You see, Jesus himself died so that we could be free. And you know the story. He went into a tomb for three days. He was, he was dead, properly dead. He didn't just have a bit of a swoon on the cross. He was dead. The Romans knew what they were doing. They took him down. He was declared dead and put in a tomb for three days. And as we go into the water, we're identifying. We're buried. It's like our old life is buried with Christ. Just as Christ died, we who are now followers of Christ, our old life is hidden in him. And so we lower Sarah into the water. And I always want to make sure they're like properly in the water. I don't want to see any skin above the, the kind of water level or hair floating. I want it right to the bottom. <laughs> dead. Now fortunately we don't leave them there. Because if we did they would be dead. And that's a whole other problem. Because so, that's not the end of the story is it? Because of course Jesus we know rose again. And as he come out of the water there's something about baptism. That as they come out of the water... Everything kind of bubbles up inside and everyone usually bursts into spontaneous applause. And most of us here are English, which is not a common experience uh, unless, you know, we win the World Cup, which never happens. But something kind of comes alive and we say, yes, because I believe it's a spiritual moment. 
as we come up out of the water, it's almost like saying, I'm alive in Christ. And as a person bursts out of the water, there's usually a massive beaming smile on their face, which isn't just, oh good, they managed to bring me back up again. I haven't drowned. But it's a sense of life of the Spirit, fullness of God. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Baptism is a sign of that. It drives that truth home that our life is hidden in Christ. Our old, the old man, the old life is dead and buried and we have a new opportunity. It's really exciting. I get excited about this, you might have noticed. And I can tell from the stunned silence in the room that you too are very excited with me, which is very good. So what does it mean for us? Well, for some of you here, maybe you want to think about baptism. You want to think about that. Romans 6.4 says this. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. It's this picture of a new life, a new beginning. It's a great symbol for us all, washed and cleansed by God. And it speaks of the hope that we have in the future, that you can never be separated, Sarah. You can never be separated from God. God says, see, I've, I've inscribed your name in the palm of my hands. He's kind of carved it into his flesh. In the Old Testament, often Middle Eastern women would tattoo the name of their children onto their hand. And God says, it's not just written on in a bit of ink, it's carved into my flesh at great cost because of the death of my son. Your name is always before the Father because he loves you. You're his precious child. You will always be his precious child. Never separated from God. Baptism is a great marker of that, an assurance of that. But baptism isn't the end of the journey. It's the beginning. It's a whole new start for us. That's why it's such a powerful thing. I want to finish with this. Acts 2, 41 to 42 says this. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. I read a verse like that. In the, Old Testament, in the New Testament, the beginning of the church, when the church was just birthed, this guy gets up to preach, share, the power of God comes, and, and people respond. 3,000 people. Can you imagine what that must look like? Can you imagine the organisational nightmare? I can imagine Mary sitting, rubbing her hands with glee, going, oh, good, I'll be able to sort this out. But for me, panic would set in. Oh, my goodness, where are we going to put them? What are we going to do with them? How can we do baptisms? We've got to do baptism preparation with them all. I'm not very good with one person. 3,000 people could be a real mess. And where do we get all the water from? And it just sounds incredible, mind-blown. Part of me thinks, oh, Lord, I'd love to see that in my days. I'd love to see that in this nation. I'd love to see 3,000 people added in a day. And it's easy to get cynical, isn't it? I mean, I'm, we, we, we love baptism in this church, and we, we often get to baptise people, people from, uh, who've grown up in a, in a church background, or Ishvan, remember when we baptised Ishvan? Big issue seller down on the bridge there who got in with his boots, his brome, his big issue jacket. I've never baptised anyone in boots before in a, with a broom. It was, it was glorious. So people know church background, and it's wonderful. But I long to see many turning to Christ. I long to see... The harvest, God says, is white. It's ready. Today was Harvest Sunday at St. Tom's and we were thinking about the harvest. Well, maybe some of you here need to respond and are thinking about, and you maybe want to ask questions about, who is this Jesus? Do I want to follow him? Or maybe God's tugging your heart about baptism. Do come and talk to us about that. But does it still happen these days? Do we still get lots and lots of people responding to Christ? Or do we believe the Daily Mail and other tabloids that tell us that actually Christianity has kind of lost its place in this country? that the church is dead and dying and soon we'll be living in a secular society. 
I don't think so. I think God is doing exciting things in these days. The figures for church growth in this city amongst the 20s to 40s is, is growing. Nationally, it's declining, but we're seeing growth. People are turning to Christ. The figures for people coming to Christmas services are the highest in the country for Bath. There's incredible things happening in Bath. People have a spiritual hunger. They don't necessarily think that it's going to be met in the church at the moment, but they know that there's something out there bigger than themselves, and they're looking for answers. Well, Jesus is the answer. And our job is to help share that in the workplace, with neighbours and families, not by being religious or beating people over the head with Bibles, but just by loving and serving and being a great example of Christ's kingdom here on earth. We're determined to do that. And let me encourage you. God's spirit is brooding over this city, over this nation and the nations. And remarkable things are happening around the world. Don't even get me started on China and what's happening there. It's so exciting. In parts of South America, in parts of Africa. I'm going to finish by just playing you this video. One or two people have seen it before. I've got a friend who works apostolically across the world and he's linked into all sorts of different church planting organizations and church planting groups. He has been out and works with a group out in India. Now, you'd imagine India is a pretty tough place to be. Well, they've been seeing some quite remarkable turning to Christ in India. And they've been baptizing one or two people. I'm going to play this video.